All right, Justin, sing me a song from a musical act that some would consider a fraud. A musical act that people consider a fraud. Uh, oh, my God. What was the song? Oh, my God. It was way back in the 80s, and they were, they were like twins, and they had dreadlocks. I think they were like Millie Vanilli or something, and they were frauds. And they sang a song. Oh, my God. What is the song? I don't remember. It's been too long ago. Uh, damn it. You got me with this one. I can't think of the damn song. I literally thought I was giving you guys points this week. I tried my best to give you points, Justin. I tried my best. I just don't remember the song. It was, it was perfect for this. And I just do not remember the song. Yeah. And it's not coming to my head. I know. It's like, I served up Millie Vanilli. Like, there's other ones you can do too. But I served up Millie Vanilli. Like, straight up. All right, Heather, for the steal, what do you got? I'm going to be honest. I don't have anything either. I cannot think of anything for this. And, like, I know Millie Vanilli, but I don't know their songs. Like, I can't off the top of my head think of them either. So I feel like a failure this week. You're both failures. (laughs) So you guys don't know, girl, you know it's true? I feel like if I heard it, I would remember uh, it, but I just can't think of it. Yeah. Girl, you know it's true. True, 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 true. Oh, 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 I love you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. And then when, when the CD or whatever got hit and it was like, girl, you know it's, girl, you know it's, girl, you know it's. And they were like, uh-oh. <laughs> yep. They were like. Yeah, you're right. Or even blame it on the rain. Mm, blame it on the rain. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I honestly didn't know that was them. I would have even accepted Ashley Simpson because of that whole SNL debacle. Oh, you're right. Which I do think that she can relatively sing-ish. But, you know, like a lot of live performers, especially ones that dance and stuff like that, they lip sync. I would have accepted that, though. Yeah. Because it was a... Lip syncing debacle. Yes. So both Agreed. of you lose points. And I get five points because I actually sang a song for once. That Nailed is true. It. That was that was well played. So I really thought I was actually just being nice and kind and just going, here guys, three points. Honestly, I thought you I think I thought you said a musical considered a fraud i think i heard it wrong and that's why i was like a musical considered a fraud i said a musical and then when musical act okay yeah i must have missed that part of it (laughs) but and then when jason said that i was like oh yeah that makes sense i just didn't know any of their songs so i would have lost (laughs) man so close yet so fucking far away like it was right there you said the band and everything but the most important thing was sing me a song, not, hey, name me a band. I mean, it's kind of like the Dallas Cowboys last year, Justin, where they were still in the playoff hunt up until the very end and then just weren't. They were close to the playoffs, yet weren't. Kind of the same thing. Yeah, you know, they just, they fought with honor. I don't know if I'd say that, Justin. 
sometimes all you have is your honor. And they don't have that. They fought with it. <laughs> they fought with <laughs> they fought, so much of it. They fought with it in the locker room. They were like, do we have honor? No. And the honor was like, no, let me be with you. And they were like, no honor. And then they fought it. And they were like, we don't have any of this shit. <laughs> Man, that's messed up. <laughs> hey, you said it, Justin. They fought with that honor. <laughs> I didn't mean that. I saw the honor in their eyes, man. I saw the honor in Zeke. I saw it. Man, if you saw honor in anybody, it sure as fuck wasn't Zeke. <laughs> he was bad last season. <laughs> that motherfucker isn't even shouldn't even be designated as a running back anymore. Oh, come on now. <laughs> man, that motherfucker is a third down like catch a pass release valve type of player. Now it's third and 10 catch a pass Zeke. That's it. And I'm not going to lie. Those few games, Tony Pollard started, man. I don't know, man. Those legs, those legs were looking kind of fresh. Zeke. I don't know, man. I mean, how many rushing yards correct. did Zeke have last year? Like five <laughs> close. At least that's yeah, what it, it was felt probably. Like. Yeah. That's what it felt like. Yeah. It did feel like that, man. I mean, I don't know. I mean, my, my team got Derrick Henry. I, I, I mean, I just kind of take rushing yards for granted at this point because they're just there all the time. Just all these rushing yards. Come on. Where's the honor in gloating like that? No need to gloat. I don't give a fuck about no honor. That's the one thing I guess me and the <laughs> Dallas Cowboys have in common. We'll fight that honor. <laughs> Let's get into this damn episode. Cinema Slayers. 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 Hey, Cinefans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin. And today, we will be talking about the movie Conjuring 3, How to Make Deviled Eggs, or whatever the fuck this movie's called. What is the actual name of this movie? <laughs> I've never actually said it, I don't think. I just keep saying other words or phrases with the word devil in it. What the fuck is the title of this movie? The devil made me do it. <laughs> yeah, my name's better. Probably more accurate. I was gonna say, it's not like, it's not a great title, but yeah. Yeah, so like I said, we're going to be talking about The Conjuring 3, The Devil Went Down to Georgia. And we will talk about what we liked, didn't like, and everything in between with this movie. And uh, as always, we will go spoiler-free, then recommendations and scores, and then into a more spoiler-centric section. Why do I never trip up on spoiler-centric section? Because that's way more of a tongue twister than some of the other things I say. But I fuck up other things all the time. Maybe you're just so used to saying it. Maybe. Anyway, on to Conjuring 3, The Devil's Playground. Uh, Heather, go. <laughs> um, Non-spoiler thoughts. So, I want to preface this by saying that the first Conjuring movie is probably one of my favorite horror movies. I think it's a great movie. I think that even the second one is a pretty good follow-up. Um, I cannot quite see the same about this one. This one was 
slightly disappointing in, in a couple of different ways. And a big part of it really is just the, I feel like the, the way that they format the first couple of movies is better than how they format this one. It feels a little bit like they got sloppy with how they wanted to tell the story. And it just wasn't any of the elements about it that you felt were, um, I mean, not any of the elements, but a lot of the elements that made the first two like so haunting and so, you know, creepy, they're not really in this one, at least not for me. And I don't know. I just feel like this was kind of let down as far as the conjuring movies go, at least the original conjuring movies. Um, definitely it's going to be on the lower end for me of like the conjuring universe movies. It's just not, it's not well put together. It's, um, it, it feels not, I don't know if I want to say not fleshed out enough, but it just, it doesn't feel as authentically, it doesn't feel as authentic to the, like the haunting storytelling aspect of it that they did in the others. And that's what I liked so much about them. So I, I don't know. I mean, there's nothing wrong with the acting and, you know, Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson. I'm a fan of both of them. I think they're both really good actors and, um, I know we'll have a lot to say otherwise, but I, I enjoyed their characters in these conjuring movies. I think that the way that these characters are played and how they play the characters made me like the Warrens, uh, not knowing much about who they were before watching this movie, these movies. Um, I, I like the characters that they were. I like how they were portrayed in these films. And I think that's a little bit of what makes them, honestly, a lot of it is what makes the, the films, at least the first few, so likable, just kind of their dynamic with each other and with the people that they're trying to help and all of this stuff. So it was a little bit, um, yeah, I mean, it's just this one, they do have a little bit of that still in this one, but I don't know. I feel like they just, it almost feels like they didn't really try that hard with this one anymore. (laughs) So it's, it's not a favorite of mine. Um, there's nothing remarkable that they do in it. Um, the story felt very, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people think all of them sound far-fetched, but this one was far-fetched for different reasons. And it was just like, they find out one thing and then they find out this other thing. And then there's this other thing. And it just becomes more dramatized throughout the story. And it makes it less likable with how they do it. If that makes sense. Hard to say specifics (laughs) without spoiling anything, but just the way that they really format this one is it's just very different and it's it's not I I didn't go into it necessarily super excited um about it because I was like okay so third one in what are they going to do are they going to keep up with the the movies that I at least enjoyed before this um granted there are so many in that universe that aren't good (laughs) but you know um but I also, I didn't leave pleasantly surprised with it. You know, like some movies you go in and you're like, eh, I don't really expect much. And you're like, oh, that was good. 
with this one, that was not the case. Like it really was just, I expected it to not be super memorable and it wasn't. And, um, yeah, it, I wanted it to be better just because I enjoy the first one and the second one so much, but it just, it's not up to par with those. And it was quite a letdown, honestly. All right, Justin, what are your thoughts on the conjuring three? Mike Krzyzewski is retiring as the men's Duke blue devils basketball coach at the end of the season. Oh my. Hey, he went to the blue devils. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I pretty much share a similar opinion to you, Heather. Like, I enjoyed the first two Conjuring movies. I think that that pretty much pound for pound, they are the the best of these movies. And I can probably just narrow that down to one thing, who's directing them. I just feel like hmm. James Wan just really was at his best when he was directing those first two movies. And I feel like his vision for him, the way that he would tell the story and what he decided to do with the camera really just makes a difference in those first two movies. And then in this one, you know, Juan is a producer on this film, but he is not the director uh, Michael Chavez, I want to say, it is the director of this one. And it shows, you know, James Wan not having his hand on the project, I think really just shows. And I mean, we've seen this a lot with other movies. It's not like this is the only movie franchise to have done this, where you have a movie franchise and they have multiple sequels. And maybe you've got it started with some momentum because you've got the same director or the same team or the same people kind of doing the movies. And then because of money, or because of whatever, you know, happens or the studio or whatever the story is, because there's always a story. There's always a reason. Normally, it just amounts to dollar signs. Then a sequel comes out. And whether back then it was straight to DVD or whether it made the big screen, it just wasn't what the other movies were. It just wasn't what that first movie was. It just wasn't what those first two movies were. and. I don't know if, and even though this one follows a similar formula, like what Heather talked about, I don't know. Maybe another part of it is, is that maybe this formula has kind is starting to run its course. Maybe they thought that this was different enough. This was a different kind of story, a different kind of element with the conjuring and the Warren characters and everything like that. Maybe they thought this was different enough to where it would give it a different vibe and a different feel. And maybe that's why they brought in a different director for this. But ultimately it just feels like maybe this is it's, it's, it definitely lost some magic. Like I feel like the first two, there was just, there was more of a focus on just old school horror techniques. Like, 
just the mind games that it plays, the use of sound, which is amazing in the first two movies. I really think like the sound editor deserves some credit for like the first two movies, because just when you hear knocking or when you hear something in the distance or something's getting closer, like the, there are these psychological games that the, the first two movies play. And so when those jump scares happen, they're just more effective, you know, it was just, or the, the the camera's playing tricks on you, or there's this establishing shot, and then it keeps showing you different shots, and then it gets you looking, thinking one thing, and then they try to show you another. You know, th- there were just some techniques used in the first two Conjuring movies that are just vastly superior to this movie. And I don't know what how you guys felt, but but this third movie, everything felt so straightforward. It's just like I I missed the psychological games that I felt like were present in in the first two films. I missed kind of those interesting jump scares. I missed kind of the use of some of the old school horror techniques. I missed all of that, you know, in this movie. Like it felt like in this one, everything was just so by it just felt really by the numbers with the jump scares and stuff like that. And a, a big part of the Conjuring movies is its ability to do that, is its ability to kind of surprise you with some of its jump scares. And this one, they just weren't as effective in this movie for whatever reason. And maybe some of that has to do with directing, but, but maybe some of it is, is that I'm just kind of used to this by now. Maybe some of it is just the familiarity with the formula itself too. But I just felt like everything was less effective. The, the, the storytelling was less effective. I think that in the other movies, there was a good focus on the characters and really, and, and by that, not just the Warrens, but the victims, like in the first two movies, I feel like they got me to kind of feel for the victims or at least understand what they were going through. This one, there's some of that, but again, it's just not as effective. Like, and that's really how I feel like this, like if the other two movies, I was like, okay, you know what? I I don't know the the whole thing about these people. I don't know what the truth about this stuff is. I don't know how true some of this is and how true some of it isn't. But at least I could say from a movie standpoint, the characterizations, the way the story plays out, that the, the effectiveness of the jump scares and the scary atmosphere, I can at least say that those are from uh, just a story standpoint, solid films. This one, I really just walked out of the theater shrugging my shoulders, just kind of like, oh man, it just, it did not hit me like these other two did. It just did not. And of these conjuring universe movies that I've seen, the ones with the Warrens, I do feel are the best ones. And so this was a letdown. It was disappointing. And just overall, to me, just not, just nowhere near as effective as the other two films. So I think the directing in this really suffered. Yeah, I'm kind of like you two. Uh, I didn't like the other two movies either. Um. Oh, oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> no, I don't. I don't like the other Conjuring movies. I have major issues with the Warrens, and we'll get into that more later. Uh, so I didn't even like those, really. And then you get into this one. 
And so imagine what it's like for somebody that doesn't even like the first two movies. And then you get <laughs> this. It's even worse. Like, this was such a chore to get through. Like, so much of it is made up just for the movie. Even if you look at the real thing, it's supposedly based off of. And it it feels obvious. Like, it feels like that's made up for the movie. It doesn't feel like that 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 could have been a true story. Nothing about what they went and did, like adjacent to the courthouse supposed drama with the whole, you know, I was possessed court defense, that it was just obvious. I mean, like so many people die in this movie randomly that are just like side characters that, you know, didn't die in real life. Because you know they don't exist. It feels extra. And maybe that's why you guys maybe had some issues with it too. In the first two movies, they did a better job of blending what is possibly true or possibly happened according to the Warrens and the supposed real-life events. They were very much blended together very, like, better than this movie. This one just didn't. It was just incredibly obvious that anytime the Warrens went off on their own, that that was just extra bullshit for a movie. Every fucking, and, and by the time, and by what I mean by the Warrens going off on their own, I mean pretty much every fucking scene with the Warrens after the first 15 minutes of this movie, you know? And I think that that adds like a level of boringness to it because that was what was supposed to be actually scary about the other Conjuring movies is the the theory that they're based on true stories. And while this one makes the same claim, it doesn't feel like it. And I think that diminishes its effectiveness to audiences. I think the I think that that would diminish its ability to be effective to people that even like the other ones. And I really didn't like the acting in this movie. I know you guys kind of did or whatever, but like I thought most of this movie was Patrick Wilson being sweaty and out of breath and Vera Farmiga just kind of having a sad, worried look on her face or running. I felt like that was <laughs> most of the acting in this movie. I think some of it also boils down to some of the effects they did. They relied a lot more on computer animated effects in this than they did in other movies. Like, and this is a slight spoiler, but it's very early on in the movie. There's a little boy that's possessed. That motherfucker balls himself up like a fucking pretzel. And they've never gone that extreme in the other movies. Mm-hmm. And I yep. think that diminishes True. it. Because this is the first time you've seen somebody literally roll themselves in a ball like they're fucking Samus from Metroid. <laughs> and it just, it, it takes you out of it. At least whenever you do get into some of the extreme things that they do with demonic possessions in the other movies, while they would do some gruesome things and some aspects of some stuff, it wouldn't go so insane that you'd be like, oh, no, that person's just dead because every bone in their body's broken. Because they also did that with the bone-cracking noises in this. So it just adds a level of, that's dumb to this movie. And it's even worse when you're somebody like me that goes into this movie already going, 
this is dumb that they even made another movie based on these fucking asshole people. And then they do that. So you get a, this is dumb squaredness in parts of this movie. I have never had a movie feel this much like a chore. I know I've had some movies that I'm like, oh, that was so fucking tough to watch. It felt like it. Yeah. No, this one legitimately felt like a chore. What is the runtime on this movie? Does anybody know off, off the top I of their head? I think it's an hour. I think it's an hour 42. Yeah. Something like that. Right. It took me, I think, yeah. five hours to watch this movie because I kept fucking stopping it because <laughs> I, I would end up like just getting on like my phone and like scrolling Reddit or TikTok or some bullshit and going, fuck, I'm not watching this movie anymore. And I'd have to stop it. And then instead of just like rewinding immediately to where I like last remember, no, I would just continue on on my phone and then go, fuck, I need to watch this movie. <laughs> and then I would rewind it and start watching it. I did that like eight times. I would just. It's an hour 52 correction. Yeah. It took me five hours. <laughs> and I wouldn't even realize it. That's how god awfully fucking bored I was in this movie. I wouldn't even realize it until like something loud screaming noise, like something like big would happen on the screen. And I'd go, oh yeah, this movie's going. I'm not watching it. Like. It shouldn't have taken me this fucking long. I'm glad I watched it at home. I would have felt bad if I was in the middle of a theater just watching TikTok videos instead of actually watching the fucking movie. Thank you, HBO Max, for just saving other people from my bullshit of not being able to concentrate on this movie to save my fucking life. Like, somebody could have came into my fucking basement, held a gun to my head, and go, Sterling, if you get distracted by anything and don't watch this movie, we're going to shoot you. I would have been dead like eight different times easily and wouldn't have even realized it. I would have just grabbed my phone and then been shot. Like it wouldn't have even been hard for the killer because it was just instinctual at that point. I've probably never been so unengrossed in a movie that I completely forgot I was watching it. <laughs> like before we did this, I kind of went on my ranking, like to, to Heather and Justin about like my rankings of these movies. Cause I did, I watched every movie in the conjuring universe. And this is probably down there with the curse of La Llorona. Like this is worse than the nun hands down. <laughs> like the curse of La Llorona is so bad in HBO Max's Conjuring Universe tab, they don't even put this movie in there. And it's on HBO Max. It's not like they didn't have the rights to it because it was like streaming <laughs> on Netflix. No, no, no. This movie is only on HBO Max. And they still didn't include it in there. And it is. Like they mention Annabelle and the priest from the first Annabelle movie are in that movie playing the same characters. Like, they mention Annabelle. They mention a direct scene from the first fucking Annabelle movie in that. And it's that bad that they went, you know what? Maybe it's not a part of this universe anymore. <laughs> and this movie <laughs> is down there with it. Like, as bad as The Nun is, The Nun serves a point of at least attempting 
to add backstory to The Conjuring 2. It doesn't do it in a, it doesn't do a good job at it, but at least it had that purpose. They were trying something. This movie should have come with a sign that says like like enter here all who've abandoned hope. <laughs> because no one that made this movie had hope or pride or just anything. I've probably never seen a movie that every single scene in the movie just felt like it was there because it was a part of the paycheck everybody in this movie was making. Like they should have called this movie, the conjuring three bucket. We need a paycheck. (laughs) They did not try. Like this movie is so bad that James Wan more or less abandoned the conjuring franchise just to let people make this movie. He did that with the Saw franchise, and we've seen where that landed, the Saw franchise. He did it in the third movie of this. Now, he abandoned, yes, technically James Wan only directed the first Saw movie. But, like, that at least was able to make it a couple more movies before you went, okay, this is just just here to make money. It's just printing sequels for money. This one made it to the third movie, and you're just going, oh, fuck, it's a paycheck. Like, as weird as this may sound... This movie is proof that everybody that made this movie sold their soul to the devil to get into Hollywood because they just need some paychecks. Like, this movie should have just been called The Conjuring 3, We Sold Our Souls to the Devil, Look at This Paycheck. Oh, boy. And my God, Patrick Wilson was so sweaty in this movie. Just so sweaty. (laughs) Yeah. Like, that's a weird choice for a movie. Go, you know what, Patrick, in this third one? We're going to try something a little new. You're just going to be so sweaty. <laughs> and he's like, like for a scene? No, the whole movie, just sweaty. How are we going to justify that? Um, we'll make you have a heart attack at the beginning. So therefore you're just so sweaty. And I don't know what effect it really had. Like are the ghost and the, the cults and the danger of, demonic possession are those not dangerous enough we need heart stuff that i don't think was effective at all honestly the way it was done here too you know it didn't add any tension it didn't really add anything to this story you know in my opinion Oh, no, Justin, you're right yeah i don't think that's really an opinion justin you just kind of said some facts like that's not like that that's not iffy you know i don't really <laughs> think anybody can debate you on that if you went hey what was the most ineffective part of the story in the conjuring 3 everybody would go it's probably the sweaty heart attack storyline in the whole movie like why were they literally chasing ghosts literally so much so that they could have the patrick wilson Oh, I just had heart attack scenes because they were physically chasing ghosts. What the fuck was that? (laughs) And it never really came back in the movie. Like it, it, like I know it kind of did. Like you do the whole like standing against a tree going, oh, my heart, but my wife. And then later on in the movie, some shit happens and he goes, oh, my heart, I fainted. (laughs) But like in the climax of the movie, 
when he is being physically active as a motherfucker, the scene that you, for all intents and purposes, any other writer would have written that heart attack scene to pay off for. You write the heart attack scene at the beginning to have it affect the end of the movie. That is writing 101. Mm. They didn't even address it. Yeah. Took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> and we are spoiling like a motherfucker at this point. Ish. I don't think it matters because I don't give a fuck. But to be fair, those are spoilers. My bad. Let's move on so I can really fucking talk some more. So recommendations, of course. Yep. Yeet. Recommendations and score. All right, Justin, go. Uh, yeah, man, this was a this was a big step down for one and two. I mean, if you really enjoy one and two, I know you're gonna go watch this. I know you are. I know you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna tune in. You're gonna go to your HBO Max, and you're probably gonna go to the theater. You probably already went. I know you're gonna watch it because you watched the other ones. I know you like Annabelle. You like all that stuff. So I know you're going to watch this. But, man, it's not. It's just not. It's such a step down from those first two movies. And and it's true. There are just so many ineffective things like what we alluded to. And just nothing has the magic that it once had. It it's really is like watching that you're, you're one of your favorite players on their last legs. Or you knowing that this is going to be the, the the last season of a show and it wasn't quite as good, but you're still kind of sad because you know it's going to be the final season. But you can just tell it's losing some of that magic. So even though it's ending and you're sad, you're kind of like, yeah, it probably needed to end because it's it's losing its touch, man. And that's what this feels like, man. I feel like it, it lost its touch. So honestly, like if you're going to watch it, do it the cheapest way possible. Don't do what I did and spend money at the movie theater and stuff like that, you know, but you, you probably don't need that. Um, the, the, even the theater experience didn't help this. Like I said, the jump scares were too straightforward. The, the, there wasn't anything interesting about the sound or anything like that to that really enhanced this for me in the movie theater and and i was in there with quite a few people quite a few people came on a random wednesday night to watch this and and i mean i didn't even hear people screaming or like really reacted in some parts they were laughing (laughs) so i don't know man like this just uh and that was not what I remember when I watched the first Conjuring. I remember people screaming. I remember people being hype. I remember people like on the edge of their seat, like, oh man, what's going to happen? And I have to admit, we are a long way from that with the, with the Conjuring 3, the devils in the details. So <laughs> yeah, uh, I can't quite recommend this like its predecessor. So we're going to go with 47 and a half bloody showers out of a hundred. All right, Heather, what are your thoughts on the conjuring three dirt devils? <laughs> um, yeah, again, kind of reiterating things we've already said, but it is 
it's kind of lazy with its storytelling. Um, and I think, Jason, you put it better than I did when you said sort of the formula that they do with this one is different. Um, it's, or just, it's not, I guess the formula in this one is not as captivating, you know, um, you don't care about it as much in this. Um, everything, it, it just feels like, you know, stakes getting higher and things happening that make the kind of catapult other things happening in the movie are really just to like up the stakes of, you know, they want you to have jump scares and they want you to, you know, just be scared like you were with the others and, but they don't do it in the right way. Um, again, the, the story itself is fine. I think it, it felt a little bit like they tried to do too many things in this movie. Like they tried to tell too many like side stories going on with this one. Um, and it just made it a little bit more, uh, or I guess a little bit less hard to not follow, but it just, it just made it less, um, like your, your focus was split too much on really, you know, wanting to know what's going on with it. Um, it doesn't captivate you. It doesn't draw you in like the others did. And yeah, there's just some, some issues with parts of the storytelling that I just really think if they were done differently, it could have been a better movie, but yeah, I don't know. There's just something about this one that I just, I did not care for this one. So I'm going to give this actually 48 apparently possessed chainsaws in the tree out of a hundred. All right, Justin, I'm going to ask you a question because the answer I'm looking for requires language that Heather wouldn't say. So if somebody was to ask me, and I'm asking you this, Justin, if someone was just to ask me if I would recommend this movie, what do you think my answer would be? You go something like, fuck this movie. Yeah, no, that's pretty accurate. Yeah. That was good. Yeah, fuck this movie. <laughs> fuck this whole franchise, but especially fuck this movie. Like, it's it really is. Like, the, the amount it's magnified. Like, by how much I already hate the franchise, it really is that much worse for me watching this. I don't recommend any of these goddamn movies. I certainly don't fucking recommend this movie. If you are a fan of these movies, and for whatever reason, and I do agree with Justin, if you are a fan of these movies, you probably already saw it. But if you are a fan of the other movies and you just haven't quite gotten around to it, maybe you have kids, you know, you haven't had a late night free to watch a rated R horror movie or something yet. Man, now skip it. Keep those memories of the movie franchise you like intact. Just ignore that this movie ever exists because it's not worth it. You don't get closure. It's nothing like it's, it's just a bad fucking movie. And it's about some people I already think are bad fucking people. But this is just a bad fucking movie. Almost from beginning to end. Like, I don't even think there is like a shining moment. You know, as much as I don't like these movies, at least in that first movie, you know, whenever they're playing that clap clap game or whatever, and the mom's stuck in the basement and you get that clap clap over her shoulders that they do ruin mm -hmm. in the trailer. But even as much as I don't like that movie, you can't deny that that's a great scene. Mm -hmm. This movie has yeah, none tight. of those. Yeah, there's no standout scenes or moments. You're right. There's nothing. I can't even think of a moment 
that it could be confused as a legitimate attempt at a jump scare. Like this movie is the definition of going through the motions when making a horror movie. Like there are quote unquote jump scares in it. None of them are effective. There's disturbing imagery. None of it's effective. It's just there because it has to be there. I mean, Justin was very apt with his earlier description of this is a paint by the numbers fucking movie, you know? And it's like, if you're doing a paint by the numbers of the American flag, so you know, you're going to have red, white, and blue. So this movie knows it's going to have some disturbing imagery, jump scares and demons. So it has them. It has all those things. None of them are effective, but it has them. Why? Because it knows it has to, it has to have those things. But no, I don't recommend this movie. I already forgot. Um, what did you give this movie, Justin? 47 and a half. 47 and a half. So let's just round that up to 48. Heather, what did you give this movie again? A 48. Okay, both of you guys gave it a 48. So combined total, that's a 96. So if we multiply that by two, that's 192. And so, yeah, I think a negative 192 out of... Out of 10,000. <laughs> Negative 192 out of 10,000. Uh, fuck giving it any other descriptor. I don't care enough anymore about this movie. So that is my score. Negative 192 out of 10,000. I don't give a fuck about giving it a descriptor. Out of 100. Let's do that out of 100. Let's make it even worse. <laughs> uh, spoilers? Yep. Yeah. Spoilers. <laughs> I want to start this off by going into a slight history of the Warrens and why I don't fucking like them. Uh, Nas, they kind of con artists. I will say this about this movie. If you want to believe that Lorraine Warren had powers or gifts or whatever the fuck you want to call them, this movie is actually the closest of any of the movies to getting to what her special abilities, quote unquote, were. According to her, she is a light trance medium which means she would have to meditate and go into a trance to channel spirits. This is the first one that kind of showed that. The rest of them kind of showed her seeing shit and touching shit and just picturing shit and all this other stuff. This was the first one that kind of showed something actually kind of close to being a light trance medium. Now, that's if you believe what she says. Uh, I, I don't, and it's not because I'm a skeptic. It's because they are fucking proven con artists. I mean, the whole Amityville, Amityville horror movie. Everybody knows the whole story of the Amityville horror. Everybody's seen the movies. I mean, I'll give them this. That sequel, Ryan Reynolds with the shirt off. Mwah, fantastic. Great shit. Terrible movie. But who doesn't want to see Ryan Reynolds cut fucking wood with his shirt off? It's fantastic. Um, or even if you want to go off the original, whatever. That was a Warren case. But even at the time, they exposed that as being a bunch of bullshit. Not the Warrens, other people. They exposed the whole thing as a bunch of fraud and a bunch of bullshit. Um, look at the first Conjuring movie where the demon ghost, whatever that was possessing people and all this other stuff, was named like Brahilda or something like that. And was supposedly somebody that was related to somebody that died in the Salem Witch Trials and all this other stuff. Some of that's true. 
Uh, but supposedly she like killed her kid as a sacrifice to Satan to get more power and all this other shit. That part, there is no historical proof that that ever happened. In fact, that woman is actually just buried in the cemetery next to her kid because it was like the 1600s and shit, and people died of a lot of shit all the damn time. But yeah, there's no actual history or proof or anything that she was a witch and that she killed her kid. Bunch of bullshit. Uh, there was the other stories about like there was like a maid that killed her kid and all this other stuff. There's no historical proof that that ever happened. And now this isn't stuff that they just added in the movie. No, this was the, that that is from the Warrens. That's what the Warrens said happened in that incident. That is stuff they got from the Warrens. No historical proof of any of that ever happening. Not even documentation. Like nothing. Like there's nothing even saying that like, that, that like anything remotely close that could be twisted into that happened. Um, one of the things they used to do is they used to go around like New England and all this other stuff. And one of the things they show in The Conjuring 2 is that Ed Warren is a painter. And he was. He was a fantastic painter, apparently. But what he would do is they would they would go and they would set up in front of a house. And he would just start painting that house. And then the families would come out and they'd be like, hey, what are you, what, what, why are you painting your house? And they'd go, oh, oh, no, I, I just paint haunted houses. And they'd be like, what do you mean you painted haunted houses? You're painting our house. And they're like, yeah, about that. Your house haunted. And then they'd come in and, oh, my God, no, now it's no longer haunted. Go fucking figure. Like, there's instances like that. Like I said, the whole thing that they were exposed as frauds with Amityville, that just got forgotten. Then you go and look at the, the story of The Conjuring 2, which was after that. But they go to that house and there's all these skeptics and there's all this other stuff. And, like, the British media was like, oh, no, it's real. And then other people were like, no, it's fake. And then, like, the reporter, like, filmed and, like, caught them, like, the girl faking it and all this other stuff. And exposed them. And they were like, oh, yeah, well, we guess it's fake. And then when they're leaving, they're like, oh, no, it was staged to be fake. And they went back and they saved the day. All that was is in the movie was them twisting the actual story. Because, no, it was proven to be fake. But because it's the Warrens, and the Warrens can't ever actually, you know, admit that they're fucking con artists. They twisted it around. And made it to where, you know, it looked fake, but the but the Warrens figured it out. Um... <laughs> So at the beginning of this movie, whenever they're like having the possession of the little boy and like how the camcorder fell over, like what right before the boy started levitating and doing all this other crazy shit, that's kind of like more or less the story of what happened. Like they were like, well, we were doing an exorcism and the camcorder happened to fall over. So we weren't able to catch all the crazy shit. It's funny how every fucking time they filmed an exorcism or filmed this or that, they never actually caught any of the crazy shit ever. I know in one of the movies they showed that they're like, oh, we we're doing the exorcism and this inverted cross showed up. That's not in any of the actual footage that they have or would show people or anything like that. There's no evidence of that ever happening other than them saying it. So it's things like that. These were monumentally, terribly horrible con artists. Like they would do the whole thing of like, oh, they had the museum of supernatural and cursed objects and stuff like that. And you could go to their house and see them. And one of them being Annabelle, which Annabelle doesn't look like that in real life. Annabelle is a Raggedy Ann doll in real life. She is a straight-up Raggedy Ann doll, which is why at the end of Annabelle Creation, spoilers, there's, like, a spoiler that, like, one of the the girl that is, like, possessed by Annabelle technically in the first movie um, is given a Raggedy Ann doll. That was a nod to the fact that that's what Annabelle actually is. But I don't think that they could use her as that. I think the people that have the 
the rights to Raggedy Ann was like, nah, you're not making a horror movie with our fucking child's toy. Uh, so they have her in that room and yeah, she's in this case and all this other stuff. I'm like, but if she really is that evil and that dangerous and all these other items are so, why would you just have them out in the open? Like, why would they just be sitting there for you to even accidentally touch? Because they, they sit there and like, they have signs up. Oh, don't touch anything. Like that's ever stopped a human being ever. Like that doesn't entice human beings to fucking touch shit. I'd be licking everything in there at that point. If they're like, Oh, don't touch anything. It's cursed. I'd lick it just to see. Be like, well, I'm going to really find out if this shit's cursed. Because if it really was that dangerous, why would you do that? But no, they were money-making con artists. So they had a museum and you'd spend 40 bucks and go like tour the shit. And if you spent more money, you could even sit in the house and eat dinner with them. Yeah, con artists. At the, in the first movie also, there's like, they make the big point of like, oh, maybe we should take a break. You know, write that book we've been talking about. And they're like, no, we can't do that. We have to go save these people. Yeah, no, that's what the Warrens did. They wrote a bunch of books and they made their fucking money off that. Now, I will give them this. They didn't really exploit the families directly. They didn't charge families to come save their possessed shit. Um, what they would do is they would charge the families uh, travel expenses and board, which is fair for anybody doing any kind of service like that. That's a fair thing, travel and board. But what they would then do is, like, part of the agreement was, we get to write a book off this. And then that's when they would exploit the families, you know, especially in a time when mental illness and everything like that was definitely not understood like it is today. They'd exploit these families with people with mental illness and all these other problems for money, and they would exaggerate the fuck out of everything and make themselves the hero. And then to top it all off, in 2015, a lawsuit was filed against them by a young woman who says, and this is, now this is all claims, I'm not saying this is true, I'm just saying these are the claims. In the lawsuit, the Warrens were sued in 2015 by a woman who claimed at the age of 15 she was groomed by them and used uh, as an... uh, or the the excuse was that she was a live-in nanny to look after their kid, but was actually more or less their sex slave starting at the age of 15. Now, like I said, I'm not saying that's true. I'm just saying that that, that is possibly true based on the allegations and lawsuit against them. Now, since both of the Warrens are dead when Lorraine died in 2019, the lawsuit is still going against the state or the estate of the Warrens because they had a lot of money. but. Wow, I, think, I didn't know any of that. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, and I think a lot yeah. of that stuff is why I hate this movie. Because this movie is also say, set in 1981, which is at the peak time of something we've talked about before with the satanic panic. And these yeah. motherfuckers exploited the fuck out of that. And then I think that's why they involved themselves in this court case, because I think this guy just said, hey, he, like he knew of the Warrens because he did have that tangential connection to him because of the woman who... He was with her little brother was supposedly possessed by, you know, all this other stuff. And so he was like, oh, the devil made me do it. And the Warrens jumped on it because it was the peak satanic panic. How do you get your names back in the spotlight after having very, like, big, like, revelations about you being frauds brought to public with the Amityville Horror in the England thing? How do you get back into it? Satanic panic. Now everybody wants you again. So you attach yourself to this court case. And then this movie then goes even further and glorifies 
them attaching themselves to this court case because then behind the scenes, they secretly defeat the made up cult that they made up for this franchise to save this guy. The disciples of the Ram are not a real cult. It's all a bunch of bullshit they made up for this. Also, one of the big problems I have with this is how they always characterize Satanists. Now, if you legitimately look at an actual Satanist, somebody that is like a member of the Church of Satan, and I think I might have mentioned this in the Satanic Panic episode, but just in case I didn't, like actual Satanists in the Church of Satan, they don't actually believe in the devil. It's, for the most part, used as symbology to attack what they consider like transgressions on on people brought onto them by like a lot of institutions in Christianity, especially Catholicism. A lot of the Church of Satan, a lot of their rituals and things they do are in direct like opposition to the church, the Catholic Church. Like they do a black mass, and it's because it's to you know to mock the Catholic Church and all this other stuff, and a lot of the transgressions and things like that that they've done over the years to people and stuff like that. So. But when it boils down to it, they don't actually worship the devil. They don't believe the devil exists. They don't believe God exists. It's just symbology to them. And then when you get to something like this, so much of it feeds into a lot of the the mindsets that people had during the satanic panic and a lot of the mindsets that people have nowadays when they claim that people are Satanists and they're baby killers and all this other stuff. This movie plays into that. And I think in a very like irresponsible way because they sit there and they talk about how Satanists crave chaos and blood sacrifice and this and that and they want power and they want the evil and all this other stuff. You're playing into these people that currently believe that there's like sat- satanic cabals that run the world that are killing and, and raping children all over the world because they're evil and all this other stuff. You're playing into that fear. And like I said, I think irresponsibly so, you know. But so much of that is that traditional propaganda of the exact same things people would say in the 80s. So with with this being set in the 80s, it kind of makes sense, except for the fact that these people were supposedly people that were researching it nonstop. A lot of people made claims at the time period to be satanic ritual experts. But none of them really were. They would just use that claim to get on fucking TV and shit. But, like, they would do all that and then make the claim of, like, oh, there are these devil-worshipping cults around, like the Disciples of the Ram. But that's a fake cult. So don't sit there and make the claim or the idea or put in the suggestion that there was all these satanic cults and all these evil people running around doing shit, and then you have to make one up because there's no actual evidence of that ever being the case. You're just playing into the irresponsible propaganda bullshit that has been going on for 40 fucking years. Like playing into the whole thing of like, oh, satanic serial killers and all this other shit. When there's no proof ever that there was ever actually a killer that did anything as a part of a satanic ritual in the history of ever. Like there's not. A lot of people try to say Richard Ramirez and all this other stuff, but not really. He just said he worshiped the devil and all this other stuff. But there wasn't a ritual aspect to anything he did. That's the other problem with this this stuff is they would bring in the word ritual to a lot of stuff. Like ritualistic child abuse. There's no evidence ever of anything like that in a ritualistic manner as far as a satanic cult is concerned. Now, other cults, yes, there are instances of ritualistic ch- child abuse. Like it was a part of the church, like their, their religious rituals. 
but there's never been any evidence of it done for a satanic reason. But that's what is the go-to in movies like this that play into that propaganda are making shit worse. And I'm not saying you can't make something based on real life stuff to add to the, the, the amount of scares you may receive in a horror movie. I think that that's a very effective thing that horror movies can do. I think some of the best horror movies out there are ones that play on realistic shit. But because this one is so fucking ineffective with everything else it does, you're not playing into it to add fear to your movie. You're playing into it because you're fucking lazy. Like a good example of a movie that did this, like, I think very effectively is the movie Jaws. People tend to be scared of sharks. People tend to be scared of the ocean. Yeah, make a shark fucking attack people in Connecticut or wherever the fuck it was. That's effective. You take things that people are like the movie It. People are already scared of clowns. Have an evil devil clown. Makes sense. Play into it. Arachnophobia, one of my fucking favorite movies of all time. People are scared of spiders. Let's have some super deadly spiders attack a whole town. It's great. It's very effective. But they didn't do that. They did this because they were lazy and they were just like, oh, let me like go read a fucking pamphlet from the 1980s and just use the same descriptors they use because I'm too lazy to actually write anything out myself. So yeah, fuck this movie. Fuck the Warrens. Like, fuck a lot of this shit. That's why I don't like these movies. And originally, I wasn't going to do this movie with you guys because I really don't fucking like the Warrens. And I don't want to attribute, like, I don't want to pay money to anything that, like, gets their estate more money. But I'm already paying for an HBO Max membership. Like, they were going to get my money this month anyway. So I watched it on HBO Max because my money was already spent on it. You know, regardless of whether or not I watched this movie or not, this movie technically, you know, the the company already made some money off of me anyway. So they didn't get extra money off of me because I didn't see it in theater at least. But that's why. And that's why I went and ahead and watched them all. I watched every single movie in the Conjuring universe for this because I wanted to truly see what all they had done in the franchise because I had only seen a handful of them before this. I think I'd seen four of the eight. And I just think it's that much. It's it's weirdly just on a movie going standpoint. Even if you are taking out my feelings about the Warrens and all this other shit, which I will 100% admit do color my uh, judgments on the other two, like especially the other two Conjuring movies at least. But if you just go on a purely critical viewing of the movies, this is easily one of the worst ones of the eight. And then you've got some bad ones. And I think the proof of all that is especially like where you guys sat on it. You like the first two movies and this one's a huge letdown because on every conceivable level of movie writing, directing, uh, special effects, story development, any normal part of fucking movie making, this movie fucking fails every chance it gets. And I don't see how anybody would really enjoy watching a movie do that. Because, like, it's not even, like, a cheap B-movie 
where they don't have the money or budget for anything. And, you know, they're just kind of scrapping shit together the best they can just to kind of throw a movie together. So you get this like weird, cheesy dumpster fire that's fun to watch. You don't even get that version of this. It's just boring and just a fucking hassle. All right, Heather, what are your thoughts? <laughs> yeah, and honestly, uh, you know, the things that you mentioned about the Warrens, to be honest, before even seeing that first Conjuring movie, I didn't know anything about these people. I didn't even know who they were. And so maybe going into those movies not knowing anything about the the Warrens, the real Warrens, and not knowing, you know, all of what's actually gone on with them and the the fraud and all of that. I think it maybe that's I, I do think it seems like that is a big huge reason why you don't like these movies. Like I think that's adding a huge element to to you for why you don't like them. And that makes sense because you know, if, if the things you're saying are true, especially about the uh, the grooming and all of that that's happening, like, yeah, they sound like terrible people. And it's unfortunate because, like, at that point, I kind of wish that the the people in this movie were just fictional. I wish that it was fictional characters that weren't based on them or weren't based on real them, you know, Um because I I liked them in the movies. I think their characters, the way they're portrayed and, you know, all of that is really good. And it made you, like, care about the Warrens and what's going on with their story and all of that. So I think not knowing all of that going into those first couple of movies, I that's probably why I liked it. Because I I didn't have any preconceived ideas about who these people even were. But I do think when you learn those things, it really does kind of have an effect because around the time I watched this um, third movie, I had read some articles and seen some articles about, you know, what really happened with this case with Artie and um, just sort of the, the, someone from the family had kind of spoken out about the situation and they were like, yeah, they are totally you know, exploited us and, you know, they used us to get money and even the family was saying that. And so you're just like, wow, it's crazy. So I think it really can have an effect on how much you enjoy these movies because yeah, like I, I didn't know any of that. And I'm like, I'm really bummed out because they're so likable in the movies to me. So yeah. Um, because I think that Vera Farmiga, I think she's just a really phenomenal actress, but I do get what you mean, um, in this one, because I feel like, you know, when she was like worried or like upset or just in pain or whatever it was, it felt like she was just over-exaggerating all of her expressions and feelings in this one more than normal. (laughs) So I kind of get what you mean. And yeah, Patrick, uh, Wilson was real sweaty and really just like, struggling through this movie and I know that that was a choice that they made but I don't I I just don't get why that was the choice they made so yeah it was that was interesting too so I I do agree with you on those things um something else about the story that was like I don't know maybe it's just me I don't know tell me if you guys feel this way too but I kind of feel like 
Was nobody more concerned about this kid after he was possessed? Like, it almost felt like they were just like, all right, well, he's not possessed anymore. Everything's cool and back to normal. And it's like, well, no, go, go get that child in therapy. <laughs> like, like if, you know, if he was possessed and all of that and you believe he was possessed, like, go get him some help. <laughs> like, they were just kind of like acted like nothing had ever happened, like literally immediately after. Man, so, this is I the thought 80s. That was interesting. They just told that kid to rub some dirt on it and get over it. <laughs> Maybe so, but I was just kind of like, this kid was like, they just saw this craziness happen with their kid, and like they're they're just like, all right, back to normal, ship shape, we're good, okay, and kind of the same thing with the the boyfriend or Artie who who was like, you know, take me instead, and all this stuff, and I know that uh, Lorraine didn't hear him say that because she was dealing with whatever she was seeing, and she she didn't hear what was happening. But I feel like everybody else did, right? Or did I get that wrong? Because it just felt to me like even after he said that, like nobody even bothered to be like, should we check if he is actually possessed? I mean, he asked for it basically. Like well, they just kind of pretended like nothing ever happened with any of it. With you the, know, with the movie, when the scene happened, I thought everybody heard it. Like. Cause it was yeah. loud and obvious. I thought everybody heard it. Then based on the scenes directly too. after, apparently it was only Ed that heard it based on what the movie was saying. It was only Ed that heard it, you know, because he can remember shit whilst having a heart attack. Right. <laughs> okay. And maybe, and maybe that was more clear than I remember. But again, like you said, it's kind of a forgettable movie <laughs> and those little details like that. Um, but I thought, because I really thought the girlfriend heard that, but maybe not. Um, but either way, I'm just kind of like, yeah. Or even, um, I guess, kind of to that point, too, Artie himself, knowing what he said, like, was he not concerned for himself or, like, freaked out, like, that something was going to happen to him like he did with the little boy since he you know, ask for that to happen. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So I'm just like, he just seems like, Oh, pay no mind. Everything's all good now. Cause the brother's good. Like if it were me, maybe that's just me being a kind of like paranoid person about it. I'd be like, am I about to get, you know, something bad about to happen to me? Because <laughs> I feel like I would always be looking for something like that to happen if I was like, hey, demon, take me instead. Like, I would be all the time looking over my shoulder. But I feel like he was just kind of like, it, it almost felt like he was played as like, I just don't understand why I'm suddenly seeing this stuff, you know, at least for like the first part of when he was doing it. So I don't know. It just felt very not genuine how they kind of made that happen. Um, yeah. So that was just something that for me, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm reading that wrong, but that just bothered me. Cause I was just like, is nobody worried about this demon coming back to anybody? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I would be just really extra cautious of everything. No, I, um, I even get, in that house, I get what you're saying though, because they very much played it as like, he said, come into me. And then he was just like, oh, nope, everything's fine, because I didn't immediately become a demon person. 
And then right. he was just like, then he was like, then surprised that he was possessed. He's like, fuck, how'd I get possessed? I right. only told the demon to come inside me. How the fuck did this happen? All right. Yeah, that's that's exactly how it felt. <laughs> I was just like, why is this surprising to you, bud? <laughs> like, I don't know. But, um, yeah, so that was just, that was an issue for me that kind of, like, threw it t- for me a little bit. But, um, and then just the, something I touched on a little bit earlier is there were just so many stories within the story. Like, there was the case of Artie and what happened with him, and then there was, the missing girl that the Warrens are trying to prove like they can find her so that they can prove they're legit. And then there was Ed's heart attack randomly. And then there was the former priest, you know, whose daughter was apparently the occultist. And there was just so much going on in this movie that it it just made it really hard to invest in it as much, if that makes sense, because you're just like, all right, so this was just happening. And now we've jumped to here. And then it's almost like they want to up the stakes. Not only is it a satanic cult, but this, like, you just, you feel like everything that you find out was just trying to really up it. And it just felt like they were trying to be too showy with it at that point. And that was, that was what I really enjoyed about the first one is I feel like it was a specific story. Like, I don't know. And I I just feel like they also, I I do want to say in that first one, Lily Taylor who played the mom in the first movie. I, I think she did a phenomenal job. I think that she acted circles around everybody and I love Vera Farmiga. So I think if I think that somebody tops her in acting skill, man, Lily Taylor, she did a great job playing the mom. And when she was the possessed person, like, I feel like it's, she, she was so incredible at doing that. And like, when that's your opener, in a movie of like a possessed person or an exorcism, it's going to be hard to kind of top that as it is, <laughs> you know, but I mean, she was just more believable in my opinion, in that performance of being this possessed person. And, um, I, but I think it's because I felt like they were more thoughtful in how they wanted to portray that happening. And, and then this, it just felt like they just were, were lazy with it and, you know, lazy with the storytelling of everything with it. And that is what kind of takes you out of the movie because you just, you can, it just feels so different than the first few because the storytelling just got sloppy and it it just made it harder to really want to invest in what's actually going on. Um, and, and even like Lorraine's powers or her, you know, abilities. Like, I feel like with every movie, it just seemed like she was actually able to do more and more. And it got more specific and extravagant with what she could actually do and see. And that kind of also made it less believable that she could because, and, and I don't know if that was supposed to be like with time and the more they've done this, her abilities have, you know, expanded. Maybe that's what they were going for, but it was just like, there were such specific things that she did, like when she, she can see the occultist and the occultist can see her. And even when the occultist is in her face, she's able to, you know, do her thing that she does. And she's like, Oh, I could see a rock behind her. So I'm going to grab it. Like, you know, like just that random stuff where you feel like 
the more showy that you're trying to be with your ability, the less believable you're making it in the movie, if that makes sense. So I, that just kind of threw me and I don't know. I just, I just feel like they, this felt like it was like an episode of a supernatural show of some kind and not necessarily a movie like not like a conjuring movie. It just felt like a, an episode of, all right, well, who's the demon we're going to face and attack this week, you know? (laughs) And that's what this felt like more than anything else. So it just, it just wasn't, I don't know. And, And there was just, there weren't memorable scenes. There weren't memorable moments or performances. It was just, I mean, honestly, probably one of the best parts in my opinion was when the Warrens were helping the cops and Lorraine is trying to track down that girl's body. And you can kind of see like, she's seeing what's happening and kind of reenacting what happened to the missing girl. Like not because that scene was like, Oh yeah, that's so amazing and believable and whatever. But just because it was, a, it was just an interesting storyline, you know? Cause I mean, they're like, Oh, I, we're looking for this missing girl. Like this is how I'm going to help you find her. Like, I don't know how they did that story in this movie. It just, and also maybe because it was a quicker story in it, (laughs) like they just moved it at a faster pace and they weren't, you know, they, they kind of cut back and forth between a few of the stories, but at least that one, I feel like they at least kind of ended it more quickly than some of the others that were kind of laced throughout this movie, if that makes sense. But that was probably one of the more interesting things that happen in the movie, but it, I won't even say it's a memorable moment. It's just more memorable than a lot of the other stuff that's going on. So yeah, it was just very, it felt lazy. And, and you do make a good point, Justin too, about like, it, it might have to do with the director, you know? And so that that's very possibly the difference, but I just feel like the actual writing of this one was very lacking in so many ways. So I don't know. That's just a couple of things for me that I, that's what took me out of it. That's what, that's what made me say, this is not really worth watching. So that's all I have for now. All right, Justin, what about you? All right. So I was thinking about kind of what you guys were talking about with those, um, with that opening scene and how when um the oh the brother got um took the possession and how everything and see i think that that's kind of a, a an example of just like a more skilled director from a less skilled one because what confused me about all that is that it felt like a lot of time had passed because of the way that it was shot and the way that the story played out, like it happened and you, you could see that the demon had went inside of the older brother. And then it was like, everything was kind of calm. And then it, it did that fade thing. And now we're moving into where we're, we're going to it. We're in a different place and they, they seem to be happy. And he's talking about, you know, why don't we get out of here and just go and be, be with each other. And it seemed like all this time had passed. And I didn't realize that there hadn't been that much time until, um, we saw the Warrens and, um, 
and he was in the and I saw that he was still in the hospital and I was like okay so it hasn't been that much time maybe it's just been like a day or two but it wasn't filmed that way like it was filmed like this it it felt like all this time had passed so that's why when you're like well why did he just seemed like everything was all right, even after he had gotten this possession. I think that's why, because they made it seem like time had passed and everything was okay. And there was just this period where nothing, where, where I guess the, the demon was just chilling up in the brother and nothing was happening, (laughs) but you know, and it, and, and it wasn't that, but that's what it felt like because of the way it was shot, the way it was filmed and the way he meshed the, those scenes were edited. It felt like all this time had passed. And I don't think it should have felt like that. I think, you know, the, there needed to be a better way to transition that. But again, I think that that's just an example of less skill in this project. Like that, they could a, a better way to transition to that. They couldn't think of a better way, or they didn't recognize that a better way needed to to that there needed to be a better way to to um, transition to that. So I think that that was one of the issues. Um. And yeah, like about the Warrens, um, I didn't know any of that stuff and I didn't bother looking up, uh, anything about them or anything like that. So all of the stuff that Sterling said earlier was really a revelation to me. And I don't know, I guess that kind of like, when you look at kind of this relationship of horror movie and American cinema, I just feel like, and maybe this is why I just wasn't inclined to look up any of that stuff, because they are constantly mixing religious elements with elements about ghosts and, you know, a cross affects this thing. If you have holy water, it hurts these demons. If you, you know, if if you pray, the, 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 the spirit might be manipulated. Like, I don't know. Like, I feel like when it comes to horror movies and ghost stories and stories about demons and stuff like that, there's always just been kind of a mix of, okay, you've got these priests and they're going to try to exercise this demon. Or like you think of Rosemary's baby and she had the the child of Satan. Like, I feel like they're, they're always intermixing these religious elements with these spiritual elements and these otherworldly. So honestly, I mean, try to decipher what's real from fake in these in these types of movies would just be a headache, you know, And, and then a lot of it is really just all based on what you believe. You know, is it true or not? Do you believe this stuff or not? Do you believe in the the spirits and stuff? So I don't know. It's so like just subjective based on who you ask that I wasn't even inclined to look up anything up on the Warrens or any of this stuff because I just figured that they made a bunch of it up. You know, I already just kind of felt like, you know, I, 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 I wasn't sitting there watching these going, man, this really happened. And that really makes it scary to me. I really was just looking at it from a pure 
critical standpoint and just kind of looking at characterizations and did the movie get me to care about the characters? Did I like the story that was told and different things like that? So I just want to preface that with preface this with that sort of the perspective I had, but yeah, uh, after hearing what Sterling had to say, it definitely makes me want to look up uh, more about the Warrens and maybe watch some YouTube videos about their lives and and this lawsuit stuff. And I definitely, it, it, that intrigues me. And I almost wish that there be some other movies come out that cover that stuff because that sounds very interesting too. You know, if there was a movie done based on them and it was about like the a con artist kind of story of them, I think that would be make actually an interesting movie too, just based on everything that I heard. But, uh, but, but for this, I'm just going to come from the perspective I had as I was watching them, no prior knowledge. And what I enjoyed about the first two Conjuring movies is that I did feel that the characterizations were better. I just felt like, like Heather said, they, you know, the Warrens in this, the characters in this, and the way the actors portray them, um, I just felt like they, they just, they did a good job of having those scenes together, making you care about them as a couple, them trying to help these people and stuff like that, but not knowing how. And then the whole thing about how, well, we can't help you unless we can gather some sort of proof or something like that. So like in the first two movies, there's there's this kind of back and forth of, is this real? Is this fake? And I liked that stuff. You know, I like that stuff of them being like, and then kind of stuff kind of predicated on belief well, you, well, do you believe us? And, you know, the second movie covered that a lot. And this whole thing about like, you know, sometimes you just about having faith and, you know, you have to believe when nobody else does and all this other kind of stuff. And do you believe or do you not believe? It kind of poses that question. And I mean, whether you stand on either side of that or not, I mean, the point is, is that it, it, it puts it out there and says, well, what do you think? Do you think this is true? So I think whenever the movies were in that spirit, sort of, uh, I felt like they were better. And I think that those movies were just better executed, especially when it came to the memorable scenes and the scary stuff. And like you guys said in the first movie, the clap clap game and how the ghoul was playing that with them. And then that I remember that shot of the cupboard opening up and you see the hands do the clap clap. Yeah. And then they go back into the cupboard. Like, I just remember a lot of neat stuff uh, in that movie. Or um, I think about the second movie with where, where the girl is sitting there with the, with the, and the channels are changing and she can't. And so she's looking for the remote and suddenly it's gone and she can't find it. Then she's looking around and she's breathing hard and she's like, what the heck is going on? And the TV's doing weird stuff. Then all of a sudden, boom, the phone rings and it's really loud. And she's like, huh? And so she answers the phone and she's talking on the phone. And then all of a sudden the camera pans back and that remote that she was looking for is in that chair where we know that that ghost died and where he was and everything like that so then you see the remote and it's like you know it does that music and i felt like it, it was such a great 
mix of less is more. They were getting so much mileage out of simple shit in those first two movies. And to me, those are the best horror movies. It's when you just use those simple techniques. Sometimes you just got to get to the meat and potatoes and you use those simple techniques and you play those mind games. And to me, that makes the most effective horror. That's where you get your most effective jump scares because you're making the audience second guess themselves and then you surprise them with something and it's like, all right, damn, we got them. Well, in this third movie, I just failed to really see any of that. You know, they kind of had stuff, but I felt like it was kind of like what Sterling alluded to. It was too much. Like when, when they did do the stuff, it was a little too much like the kid and then the, the 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 shower and there's blood everywhere and stuff like that and then he's curling up like like what Sterling said into the Samus Morphal and then he comes out of that and all that kind of stuff and I don't know I guess the other ones even though the other ones had extravagant things happening a lot of that was in the visions that um that Verma's character was seeing or it was kind of like she was reliving kind of the story of what happened to the former house owners and stuff. So a lot of the quote-unquote killing that you saw and stuff like that was kind of in her visions and stuff like that. You know, there it wasn't like that these ghosts or whatever were on a killing spree in the first two movies. And then I also think it helped that in the first two films, the stories were kind of isolated. You know, we were in this one house where all this stuff was happening. And it was about uncovering all these different places in the house and what was underneath the house and the tree and all this stuff in the first movie. And then in the second movie, there was something underneath that house and it was about uncovering that. And there was something with the chair and this guy and this, this ghost, like get out of my house and all of this kind of stuff. Like I felt like when it was condensed and you were just, focusing on one area and you have the Warrens in that area and they're able to interact with the families, with the moms, with the daughters, with the sons. It was way more effective because then you got all these effective scenes where the actors just got to act and you just got to kind of care about the characters that they were setting up in these films. Well, in this movie, like, You've got one your your main character that's the victim the the possessed brother well he's in jail because of this story so since he's being held you don't get as many like scenes with him kind of interacting with the Warrens or any of that stuff. So you don't get, you don't get this feeling that they're all going through this together. Like you did when you were in the house with everyone, it kind of felt like all these different isolated stories. And I think this kind of leads to Heather's point. That's why everything felt so disjointed in the other movies. We're together. We're We're all in this house together, experiencing this together. And we're, we're all kind of confiding in each other together. Here, you kind of had all this separate stuff going on. You had the the husband and his heart. You had um, the then you have this witch, um, you know, transmuting her powers and trying to use people and stuff like that to get this 
suicide soul. And then you had like, uh, you know, the cop and what he was trying to figure out, you know, for that little part of the story. But then you had the, yeah, the, uh, the, the other priest, the retired priest and everything going on with that. So I totally get what you're saying, Heather. It just felt like there was too much going on. And that's the biggest problem with this movie. It was just too much of these these th- these little stories and these concepts and things and too much special effects and not enough time was spent with just the bare bones less is more stuff that to me really made the first two movies special like it was almost as if when they made this movie, they just had a checklist of things from the first two movies. And they were like, okay, do we have all the things in the checklist? And they were like, okay, do we have the, do we have, um, Verma having her visions and stuff like that? Um, yes, we do check. Do we have the opening scene where something crazy happens? And then we do the, the, the scrolling text. And then we say the conjuring, you know, do we have that? in the movie at the beginning check do we have um you know some story about an an occult or somebody who had died that is now and now the the sins of these people are now coming back to haunt these people now check do we have the the warrens having scenes where they're lovey-dovey and they're talking and they're saying sweet nothings to each other and reminiscing and you know using love to overcome check like they if you go by the checklist this movie has all of those things all of those things to check off from the first two movies but it has none of the magic, none of the character development, none of the good psychological mind games, none of the, the simple story that allows you to develop your characters. And when you can't do that, you just don't feel that this was as effective at all. So that's really, in a nutshell, how I feel. It had all the elements of the first two movie, but it really did not have the skill, the, 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 the timing that James Wan had. It didn't have the, the, the precision to put these pieces together. And it just didn't really have any of the magic that to me really makes those first two films memorable. And the reason why we got so many of these other films in the first place. Well, to go back to some of the stuff we were talking about, like, my research into Warrens actually comes from uh, back in the day, around the second time this uh, the remake of Amityville Horror came out, because that was around the time also I was researching a lot of these movies that had claims of based on true stories and stuff like that, which all started with the remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre and all the uproar people gave about that shit that I have talked about before. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's where a lot of my research into the Warrens came from. wasn't had had nothing to do with the Conjuring movies themselves. It had to do with the Amityville horror movie that was like based on real, you know, true events. And then I go and I want to hear these, you know, true events. And that's when I found out about the Warrens. So, like, that's where I got into the Warrens with all this other stuff. Now, I I understand what you're talking about, though, Justin, with especially horror movies. I mean, in dramas too, I suppose they're very notorious for doing based on true events and just doing a mix of true and fake and all this other shit. 
They all do it. Yeah. None of them have ever been actually accurate. None of them. Like, even the most accurate of these movies is still incredibly inaccurate. You know? I mean, everybody, like, and not to beat a dead horse on this or something like that, but, like, the movie Passions of the Christ, when everybody's like, oh, it's the most accurate representation of what Jesus would have actually gone through and all this other stuff. It's like an accurate retelling of all this other stuff. But then they randomly had the devil baby just show up in there because, you know, that's <laughs> mentioned anywhere. Like, they go weird with that shit, too. And then, like, they don't even put the the holes of the from the crucifix in the right spot and all this other stuff. They still get shit incredibly inaccurate all the time, no matter how accurate a movie claims to be or how accurate people claim a movie is. Like, even the ones that, like, know the subject matter, and they're like, oh, no, this one's accurate. It's still not completely accurate. And then when you get into this stuff, like, my point with all that isn't necessarily that, you know, it it doesn't work for a movie just to add bullshit into a movie. It does, because sometimes you need to add, like, a little bit of cinematic flair just to make it work on a, as a fucking movie. I do think it's funny when sometimes the real events are even crazier than what they show in the movie, but they don't put it in the movie because they're like, nobody will even believe that. So they take out <laughs> the crazy shit. I mean, because, and like whether or not you you believe in God or the devil or any of that other stuff and the, the possibility of demonic possession or anything like that, I wasn't trying to discredit that as much as I was discrediting what we historically do know about the Warrens. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not trying to sit there and say that people that believe in demonic possession don't have the right to believe that or anything like that. No, go ahead. I'm good. Fuck. But like people believing in what the Warrens did and all this other stuff, I do think that there needs to be like a disclaimer with that, or like at least an increasing of what knowledge was happening. Because like I said, they have been exposed multiple times. And I just think that that is the most fair way to represent the story with it is to go, look, you can still believe that they did this. You can believe she was a medium. You can believe all this other stuff. You also have to believe that they have been exposed a couple of times. That maybe there were some cases out there they got wrong. Maybe they did get a lot right, but you have to admit that they got some wrong because they fucking got caught. Like, they brought it up even in the second movie. They got caught with their pants down with Amityville. They were in there like, nah, this shit's real, this shit's real. And then the family was like, okay, no, we made it up. And then the Warrens were like, why the fuck were we saying it was all real then? You know what I mean? Like, that needs yeah. to be out there. Like, people need to know that. Because I do think there is an over-glorification of the Warrens and the things they did because of these movies. Like I said, that first movie pisses me off when they sit there and they're like, oh, maybe we should write that book? No, we're too busy to write a book. I don't want to write a book. We have to go help the people. The people are what's so much more important than us writing a silly book. When no, all they fucking did was write books. <laughs> they wrote so many books. Like, they went on so many interviews. Yeah. They did all this stuff to make the fucking money off of it. You know what I mean? Like, that's what is so disingenuous to me, that these movies make these people seem so altruistic, and they were just in it to help people and all this other stuff, and that the idea of them making any money off of it is just completely ridiculous. When no, they made a ton. <laughs> they made a ton of money off this shit. You know, and that's what, and that's what I want to bring to light is the fact that, you know, you can believe whatever you want with these people, but you do have to accept the facts that with some of these things that some of these cases were fake, you know, if you, you could be like me and believe they all were, but you have to at least admit a couple of them were because they were, they got caught and 
they they weren't that altruistic because they did make a lot of money off books. So don't think like I just don't like the characterization of them in the movies of them ignoring that. You know what I mean? No, that's a fair point. And I and I wasn't like saying that to, I was only just explaining my position when I first started watching these, but I totally understand your position. If they are shitty people, then the and and this this definitely doesn't paint them as that. So I can totally agree with right. that. This paints them as these noble people who were just trying to do God's good work and were just trying to help people right. who were, you know, um, who for whatever reason were, were were experiencing these paranormal activities, these demonic possessions and things like that. And they seem like people who their only interest was helping and protecting people and trying to do God's good work. Yeah. And, it, like bleeding and if hearts, that is nothing, yeah, exactly. And if that is not, and they were just this couple, they loved each other and they came together because of these, just these supernatural trials they both went through. And then through that love, maybe they can love and help other people. That's how this comes off. And if they are not those people, then yes, that is, I definitely understand why you throw up in your mouth a little bit when you see these characterizations. And I mean, I've done it before. We've talked about uh, stuff like this before, like with Green Book, you know, the real story versus what was actually put out there in the movie. So, yeah, I totally get where you're coming from. And the movie doesn't touch on that at all. And the funny thing is, is that I think if it had touched on some of those things, you probably the movies would probably be even better. You know, if you had touched on the fact that there was, you know, they had gotten caught a few times or you know the characters are like man you know the last time this happened we were called out as frauds and all this kind if you had had some of that in the movie and they were kind of like these people going back and forth of well are we really helping people or are we not or are they about profit you know if that if that was kind of the narrative who what is the real intent of these people do they really help people or do they really make money i wish the story was told more like that where, and it was done in a way to where you kind of, the audience could draw their own conclusions, but that's not what they do. They're heroes in this. So I'm glad that you bring that perspective to this because they're totally painted as heroes in this noble hearted right. heroes, hundred percent. So, yeah. yeah, it's just, when you brought it up, I was like, I wonder how I come across with my disdain for them and like why I'm bringing it up. Because I very much probably do come across as just like a cynical asshole that just wants to tear these people down. And that's partially true. Because, like I said, I view them as frauds. But, like, it just made me want to clarify why I, I did want to bring that stuff up. But I do like what you brought up, though, Justin. Like, that you wish they had brought some of the stuff up in the movies. They do in the second movie, but they do it in the most bullshit manner ever. They're like, because they bring up Amityville. And they're like, but are you guys fake? Because Amityville was fake. And they were just like... I can't believe they would actually question that, you know, because you did sense something there. Like there was still something evil there and like all this, you know what I mean? Like they just like pass it off. Like yeah. people just can't understand what they actually do. 
when they were caught. And then, like I said, at the end of that, whenever, like I said, it was proven that the little girl was doing shit, the movie goes out of its way for them to realize that the little girl was faking, faking it because of the demon. And then still went and saved the day. And you're just like, come the fuck on. That's how you want to bypass like <laughs> historical documents and proof is that <laughs> the untold truth is they went back and secretly saved her. And you're just like, come on. <laughs> yeah, I get that. <laughs> just like, what the fuck? Uh, you guys got any more thoughts about this movie? Or any of the Conjuring universe? You guys want to just talk about anything else? Just like some little quick comments about any of the other movies. Like, you know, like I said, La La Rona sucks terribly bad, and so does The <laughs> Nun. Like, of all of these, I think yeah. this movie and those two are the worst. That's what I was actually thinking, too. Oh. No, I mean, I think, again, like, the first one, I think, is just so good. Um, the second one is good. And then a couple of the Annabelle movies are fine. But I, I think Annabelle creation is probably one of the better in the universe. Um, but, no, I mean, I just... There's not, I mean, I think maybe with those, like, they are technically part of this universe, right? But they aren't as directly connected to the Warren's storyline, if you will, right? So it's... mm -hmm. The only ones they've made claims that are based on true events are Conjuring 1, 2, and 3. Right. The other movies aren't supposedly based on true events. They are just a part of the Conjuring universe. Which is why it's mm-hmm. so weird to me that they bring in the fake cult they made for the Annabelle franchise into this one. Right. While still claiming oh, yeah, that's true. this is based on true events. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's very true. I didn't think about that. But um but yeah, I mean I I don't know. I, I think that there's there's what how many are there total? Like eight, seven or eight? There are officially one, eight. two, three, Annabelle, one, yeah. two, three, and then the nun and La Llorona and the nun. Yeah. So honestly, the actual conjuring movies, um, well, conjuring one and two, and then Annabelle creation, I think are the best three in the franchise of movies, but, and then, you know, the other two Annabelles are just kind of somewhere in the middle and then the nun and conjuring three that we were just talking about. And La Llorona are definitely the worst, <laughs> the worst ones. And and I remember when, you know, the the second movie sort of brought to light the nun, right? The demon nun and how excited everybody was that they were making a movie about that because everybody was like, this movie is going to be so good, you know, based off of what you see of her in that second movie it's the second one right yeah it's the second movie so it was just like such a disappointment of a movie like it just it really there were parts that you're like okay all right this part is like it's creepy but at the same time you're just like man they had potential to make this such a creepy good horror movie and they did not do it they just did not so yeah this this is really, and then this one is just really like, they just really wasted story. They wasted a good, like what could have potentially been a good story. And honestly, even the, like 
a retelling of what happened or something like that. I would have probably preferred to that because even at the end of this one, how they're, they're playing those tapes or whatever, supposedly playing the tapes of the little boy that was possessed and all of that. That was more interesting than most of the movie. <laughs> like just hearing that tape. But yeah, it just, it's just not, I don't know. It does not really bode well for the franchise of movies. And it's almost, yeah, basically at this point, more of them are not good than are good. So take that for what it's worth. I'm glad you brought this up, Heather, with the tapes at the end of the movie. They're like the supposed tapes of the boy being exercised. Right. And I'm listening to those and I'm like, oh, that definitely sounds like a little boy doing a demon voice. When earlier in this movie, they go out of their way to make sure it's pure demon voice. No little boy. Right. And I'm like, when you're listening to the tape, I'm like, that sounds like a little boy doing a demon voice. I'm like, why would you even play that? Because it just discredits your movie even more. <laughs> and I mean, that's a good point. But I mean, and obviously, like, it's 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 whatever, whether it was like actually a tape of it or whatever, but just the idea of that or basing it. I don't know, more like kind of like a documentary style situation with what happens here. I think that would have been a more interesting way to do the story or at least the the main story of this movie. Also, I'm glad you brought up the nun, though, because I think the worst part in the nun or the worst thing that the movie The Nun does is that there's like the, the mother superior person, like the head nun, who's all in black. And sitting in that throne thing in the middle of that room by herself. Oh, yeah. Randomly. And like these priests and everybody's talking to her. And I'm like, it is so obvious that that woman is going to be dead or a demon or something. And they are just playing it off like that priest is just like, oh, yeah, sorry, Mother Superior, whatever the fuck she's actually called. And, you know, all this other stuff. And I'm like, why do they not think it's weird that she's just shrouded in black in the middle of this dark room by herself? All right, the time. Like, Why is that not weird to by them? by herself. Just always, always sitting there. Yeah. And like all this other stuff. I'm like, why did they think that that would be an effective twist? Because to me, I'm like, yeah, no, that's all it is. That's all it could have been. Based on how you set everything up, there was no alternative. Right. And I, I, th- I thought it was funny, the part, like, pretty much at the end when the, the nun, the the not demon nun. <laughs> um, she like comes up out of the water and she spits the nun in the face with the holy water. <laughs> and that's how she destroys her. I'm no, like, what is that? That's not even holy water. That's the blood of Jesus. Oh, I'm she sorry. Spits the You're blood right. Of the blood Jesus of Christ. In the, in the demon's <laughs> yes, face. I apologize. It was something like yeah, that. Sorry. I haven't seen it in a while. It's but yeah. worse than holy water because it's the blood of Jesus. It's the blood of Jesus that's just been sitting in a bubble for right. hundreds of years at this point and somehow hasn't <laughs> decayed it or just coagulated at all. It's the 100% liquid just because apparently Jesus had no platelets and his blood never coagulated. <laughs> and yeah, she just spits it in her face. It, when she came out of the water holding her face like she did, I was like, they better fucking not. They better fucking not do this. And then she just goes. <laughs> and they did. And I was like, they did it. You fuck off right now. 
Yeah. And yeah, no, my bad. I I haven't seen it in a while. I knew it was something. She had spit something in her face. I you wish know, it I was, was holy like, water. I wish it was holy water. No, no, no. It's Jesus blood. <laughs> it, yeah, that shit like, straight up so looked bad, like tiger's bro. blood syrup from a snow cone stand. <laughs> yeah, no, it was just like the way they did that was just so like ridiculous. Like, and so cheesy and not like a it was just so bad. I'm <laughs> just like, this is how you're choosing to do this? Like, what? Yeah. See, like, and that's why I think the nun, see, I just, man, the nun is so bad. I, it's just hard to believe that there's something worse than it. But now I almost have to see this La Leorda or whatever because, I mean, I, I, the nun was so bad. It was so terrible. I just, oh, God, just thinking about it just makes me angry. Like, so, <laughs> like something just happens inside of me. You know, like, it's just. You better not oh, walk into the room then. Just don't, yeah. Jasmine. If, if you have that type of reaction with the nun, do not watch the movie that is definitively worse. <laughs> oh, no. Right. Oh, man. Oh, I digress. I digress. But I also love the logic, too, because whenever, like, Valak takes the form of an evil nun so it can move across the monastery amongst the mm-hmm. nuns, like, it doesn't have a demon face. Like, it's obviously that it's not a nun. Like, it's obviously right. a demon. But it's like, nope, it disguises itself so it can move around among us. I'm like, are you not looking at the fucker's face? It's a demon. <laughs> <laughs> like it doesn't even try to hide its face oh oh right. oh 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 that makes me think of another thing with this with this movie with the whole like when they were talking about and I know maybe the the argument is that this wasn't technically demonic possession in this movie it was technically a curse that brought forth the demon but right. why was the demon still like following the rules of possession from the other movies whilst it was already possessing somebody of like mentally breaking them down to take over. Like, so it could enter their body. That was the whole principle of the other movies was you break them down mentally. So they're weakest and then you can possess them. But it was doing that to the guy, the, the, the older guy in this, it was breaking him down mentally, but it was already in him. That's true. Why did it do that? That Also, did you guys see the pictures, the real life pictures of the guy? The guy that killed the, yeah. the, the land. They fucked up on that casting hardcore. Yeah, it was nothing, <laughs> nothing like him. I mean, I know it was the 1980s. So this guy, whilst looking 65, probably was like 32 because for whatever reason, people aged terribly in the 80s. But they have him cast as like a 19 year old. That motherfucker had gray hair and was more bald than me, but still had hair. That motherfucker had a bozo haircut. And it was just so weird that they cast just young guy for that. Right. Anyway, any other final thoughts? Nope. Nope. So on that note, guys, thank you guys for listening to the this episode of the Sunless Slayers podcast. Check us out on the internet at www.sinlesslayers.com or Facebook where we're Sinless Slayers podcast or Twitter and Instagram where we are cinema underscore slayers. Uh, if you can, give us a five-star rating and review. That'd really help us out. We'd really appreciate it. And 
It lets us know uh, that you guys like us. And I want to know you guys like us. Uh, tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell your mothers. Especially this, because we all know that mothers hate scary movies and therefore want to hear us talk trash about this not really scary movie. And by that, I don't mean all mothers. I mean older mothers don't like scary movies. Younger mothers do, because for whatever reason, all young people like scary movies. I'm just throwing some generalizations out there. Don't attack me for it. I'm just saying mothers should listen to this podcast. And as always, just remember, according to... Oh, yes. First, before that, shout out to Plug Migo and Mundo Ochoa for our theme song and logos, respectively. And on that note, remember, according to Justin, Moon Knight is a Best Picture winner. Having Elvis in that movie and having them reference that she's seen Elvis dead and alive in this one to me was like a subtle shout out that they are con artists because Elvis was too. Everybody thought he was great when he was just stealing music from black people. Yeah. Sure was. It was just a subtle <laughs> reference that, to their that con That was artist. funny. That did get a laugh out of me though when she said, yeah, I saw him alive. and <laughs> that, that did get a chuckle out of me. See, it's funny, like, you got a chuckle out of that. I was just mad because they were just acknowledging Elvis existed. <laughs> Dang. Elvis is right up there with the Reagans, the Warrens, and Elvis. Those are just some of the most <laughs> hated people that I have. And John Wayne. It's John Wayne, Elvis, the Reagans, and the Warrens. All up there. And Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> she's not up there with them. I don't like her, but she's not up there with them at all. She's just dumb. These people are downright evil. That's right. I said it. Elvis is evil. I'm oh, out. mama. <laughs> when you pull out that Johnny Bravo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out. <laughs>